Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Mini series, this little two-part series that uh, we have, that I have the opportunity to kind of bring on my own. This is not something that is at all the other campuses, but uh, we're kind of taking a, a two-week hiatus before Mother's Day, before we get into obviously Mother's Day stuff and all that stuff. But um, hopefully, this message um, will be something that will challenge you. Okay, it'll challenge your your relationship with Jesus, and it'll challenge your relationships with others. And that's the heart of, of, of what I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to accomplish today because it's something that's been stirring inside of my heart and I hope it's something that I can translate out to you guys. But this is kind of like the first part of it. But um, like I said, turn to Acts 17 and um, I really believe that God does want to challenge us, okay? He wants to challenge you and I to allow him to turn our world upside down. To turn our world upside down to then, listen, upset the world around us, okay? Now, I'm not saying like being, Pastor Scott, I'm upset all the time. I'm upset at this, and I'm upset at that, and I'm not talking about being upset like that, okay? I want to make that clear, because I don't want people to go, what? You want me to upset people? No, but I want you to upset people in a very godly way, okay? In enough to where, man, it begins to kind of stir something in them. And we'll read in our scripture right here. Acts 17, chapter 1, and we're going to read through verse 9. It says, Now when they had passed through Amphilopophus and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, I probably said that wrong, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was. Now, Paul usually began his ministry assignment in, in different cities by first going in to the uh, Jewish synagogues because there was an open forum that they had going on. And so he went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. Verse 4. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, oh, I'm sorry, and, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews, who were not persuaded, became envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, and gathered a mob set at the city in an uproar. And attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. Now, they, they went to Jason's house. They were in Jason's house. So they, they, they got upset, right? When you talk about an uproar, that usually means that something's, something's stirring, right? They got upset about what was going on, what Paul was preaching. There was something that was happening inside of them. And then verse 6, it says, But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Basically, they came to disturb our city. How dare they come around and disturb our city? Verse 7, Jason, um, yeah, Jason uh, has harbored them, and all these are acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar. 
Okay, so kind of, if you want to put a little note there, that's basically the world belief system. They're acting contrary to the way the world believes, the way the world functions, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And they, were, and they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they had heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Now, I want you to focus on verse number six where it says, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. See, we have to get to an understanding that God wants you, right? He wants to turn first your world upside down so that you live in a way um, in your relationship with Christ that has been something that you've never lived before, possibly, okay? That, that it, he, he wants to upset it to the point where all of a sudden things in your life begin to change. And we'll get to kind of where we're going with that. But he wants it to get it to the point where you begin, you set out, again, to upset the world around you. Again, not to make him mad, frustrated, whatever. But you know what? The message of the gospel can be frustrating to people. can make people mad. But how often do we set ourselves apart to say, hey, I'm going to be like Paul and like Silas, and I'm going to come and I'm going to preach. Now you say, well, wait a minute, Pastor Scott, I'm not a preacher, right? Because that's probably the worst thing. You're like, nah. But there are certain things in your life that you can do that can preach the gospel. Doesn't have to be magnificent. Doesn't have to be this big, huge, hey, I'm going to get up on my soapbox and I'm going to, hey, tell the world. No. It could be simply doing things that God has laid on your heart to touch people, to, re to reach people. So the title of my message is Upside Down, okay? Part one Upside Down. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, help us to be upside down. In Jesus' name, amen. Right? So God wants to disturb your life. He wants to overturn your life. Right? You know it's that part in your life that is just minding its own business, trying to just keep the status quo, not stirring up any waters. Right? It's just kind of on your own mission. Yet, here God is, and he's thinking, and he, he's been speaking to me uh, especially, too, that, you know what, hey, I want to stir some things up in you to where, you know what, your life is not just kind of um, being right side up in the world's view, but that your world would actually be upside down in the world's view, where they would look and go, man, you're, there's something about you. You're upside down. You're not living the way the world wants you to live. You're not living the way that you're, you, you think this is the way I'm supposed to do it. See, God, God's really radical, if you think about it. We serve a radical God. We serve a God who's very much concerned and very much wanting us to upset the world, to upset those around us. Again, I'm going to say it again, not get them mad, but it might, but enough to where you begin to agitate in them something about this Jesus character. Something about Jesus. Something about God. Why do you always keep talking about him? Why do you always keep, you know, just, you know, laying this out on the line? Why, I, I don't get it. It's really irritating. It's really agitating to me. That's what I'm talking about. To the point to where maybe they'll go, well, maybe I need to recognize and get, get a little more information about this Jesus. 
Because sometimes, you know what? I, I feel like the, the, the Lord is just trying to stir the church up. If, if we believe that we're getting close to the end, that Jesus is coming back, the Bible promises about an end-time harvest. Okay? That end-time harvest is a harvest of souls. Okay? It's not more wheat or grain or anything like that, but it's a harvest of souls. But the problem is, or the situation is, is that we have to realize that, you know what? We are part of the equation. We just are. We're a part of that equation, and we've got to, to flip our world upside down. With God's help, with the Holy Spirit's help, so that we begin to have a he heavenly perspective. Okay? Because think about it. God wants your life upside down in order to turn it right side up. Okay? He wants your life upside down in order to turn your life right side up. Because if you think about it, the kingdom of God is upside down. Right? The Bible tells us that the first shall be last. Okay? Or you must die to yourself to save your life. Those are kind of upside down things. Like, what? Are you kidding me? I got to be first. I got to be the first. I don't need to be last. It talks about, too, if you want to be a leader, you need to be a servant. Amen. Right? And so the, the, God just operates upside down. But see, what we have to understand is that the world is operating on the wrong side right? They're, they're actually in a wrong position. They're going the wrong way. And when we're in a right side up position in the kingdom, not in the world, because I, so, so the world thinks I'm in a upside or I'm in a right side position or in the right position when I'm doing what the world wants me to do, when I'm following along, when I, I, I'm, 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 I'm saying words that I'm not supposed to say. I'm backstabbing people when I'm not, you know, supposed to, in, in the kingdom, I'm not supposed to do it, but I'm doing that. I'm doing all these things that the world puts in front of us and we go, yeah, that, that's fine. See, so I, I, I'm, I'm right side up right now. But see, in God's kingdom, no, no, you're totally messed up because you've got to f have him flip your world to the point where, you know what, I don't live according to what the world lives. I live according to what God says. It's important that we recognize that and understand that. And God's kingdom is what directs us, right, to, be, to or orients us to go the right way. Wouldn't you say? I want to live a life that's going the right way. Okay, then, then look at God's kingdom. Look at his word. Figure out what that is, right? And so then that what it does then, it sets us on this path to upset those around us, right, with his story and with his love. And, and, and the great thing about it, his story and his love is designed just for them. Like it was designed just for you. His story, his love was designed just for you. See, and when we live a life that's turned upside down, then what happens is we start to share the story. We start to share the love that God has. So let's go back to our, our scripture that we just read. So Paul and Silas are on this missionary journey. They're going through the city. And um, they're talking to all of these people in the synagogue, right? They had the opportunity because they were Jewish. And here they are. They're proclaiming that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that this Jewish rabbi is actually the Messiah that was prophesied, you know, 4,000 years ago. 
um, going all the way back to Genesis chapter 15, when you know God said, you know, I'm going to put uh, the woman's seed, and he's going to bruise the head of the serpent. So that's the beginning of this prophecy, and then he carries it all the way through, and if, you, if you're reading your Bible, that the Messiah would come and he would die for our sins. He would die for their sins, he would die for our sins, and so this prophecy was just kind of filling through, and so he's telling them all this. But see, oftentimes what happens, we, we forget the mandate that God gave us, right? So we believe that Jesus died. We believe that, that, that he was rose from the dead. Easter, shout out. But we forget the mandate. Mandate, Matthew 28, 19. You've heard it all before. You've, you've seen it, all this before. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now the thing about when I read that, that is just not on me. That's on all of us. That's on every one of us as a believer. But you can translate this, if I'm putting it in perspective to what I'm, I'm trying to get across, you could translate it into go turn the world upside down. Upset the world. Upset those people that are living their life in a way that is not pleasing and holy to the Lord. Right? It's almost like, man, you're, you're out there to upset the common flow of man. Right? Man's kind of caught their way of doing things, and they just got some things. But, but, but see, that scripture says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's like, you know what? Hey, I got to go and upset my world somehow. And see, God's calling each one of us to take that mentality, to think about it. Okay, I'm supposed to, because I'm a believer, I am supposed to go, and I am supposed to go upset the world that is around me. Again, like I said, it's not make them mad, make them frustrated. It's not even to shove Jesus down their throat. Because sometimes we get that, that thought. Pastor Scott, you want me to go and just shove Jesus down their throat? You want me just to like tell them, hey, you're going to hell, better turn or you're going to burn, you know, all this stuff? No, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is you are a representative of Jesus. If you're born again, you are a representative of Jesus. And if you are, then that command, that mandate tells us that we need to go and upset the world around us wherever we are. Again, think about it. This verse six says, those who have turned the world upside down have come here to." Can people say that about you? Those who have come and up, turned the world upside down have come here too. I mean, I, I, I'm pointing the finger at me too. Don't, so don't think I'm, I'm, I'm just laying this out because this is what the Lord's been talking to me about. But man, can, can people say that of us as believers? Hopefully not, ah, here they come again. You know what I mean? But enough to where every time they get around you, you're able to deposit something in them out of love, right? Not out of condemnation like, oh, you're this. No, out of love to where you begin to upset. You begin to stir something up inside of them enough to where they're like, hey, I need to check this out. I need to figure out what exactly is this all about. 
Now, the words turned and upside down are the exact same Greek word. That means to stir up, excite, unsettle, and to even upset. And then a proper definition of upset means to overturn, to destroy, the power of, to overthrow, to defeat, to vanquish. I mean, think, think about it in a sense of that you're, you're, you're trying to um, overthrow or to vanquish their, their system of thinking. Because, I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but the people that I encounter sometimes that aren't believers, they have their own system of thinking. They have their own way of doing things. And you know what? Don't, don't crowd my, my area, man. Don't, don't even go near my area in that. But what, what we need to do is begin to just, you know what? Upset enough to where, man, we start to turn, turn, turn some things inside of them. Another definition you can add to it is to defeat or overthrow an opponent that is considered more formidable as in war, politics, or sport. Now, we've seen in sports upsets, right? Where the team that was, was supposed to win didn't, and the team that, was, uh, the team that wasn't supposed to win wins, okay? You know, and, and I was thinking about this. God, God, God's kind of into that, if you think about it. God, God kind of specializes in that. David and Goliath, right? Goliath was supposed to win. Everyone thought. I mean, Saul was scared. He was afraid. But who won? David, right? And then you have all these, all these other things that you can re- read about where, where, you know, it looked like, man, they're outnumbered. There is no way they're going to take the city. There's no way they're going to do this. No way they're going to fight off this battle. And they did because God was on their side. And so we kind of get that idea a little bit. But see, really what I want to get down is that, you know what, I want you to understand that you've got to allow God, right, to upset your world. So my question, if we pause here for just a second, is for you to think about, has your life been turned over? I mean, really turned over. I'm not talking just, oh, well, yeah, I, I gave my life to Jesus. He's my Savior. I'm talking about really, really turn over. Because as we said a couple weeks ago, right, in Romans, you can, you can ask Jesus to be your Savior, but are you really making him Lord of your life, right? Romans 10 and 9 says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, but so it's acknowledging Jesus' lordship in our life. And you remember, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, that means to make him the supreme master of your life. That, that one hits home. To make Jesus the supreme master of your life to the point that you have given him absolute authority, right? From, the moment, from that moment forward, voluntary submitting to him in all things, so the question is, how's that going for you? That's sobering. But how's that going for you? Right? When you look at it and say, yeah, I did that. Okay? But when you look at it and say, okay, well, you say that Jesus is Lord. You made him master, supreme master of your life. I am voluntarily submitting everything I am to him now. But really, let's, let's pull back the curtain and say, how's that going for you? How are you doing in that? 
How's that, that playing out in your life in such a way that, man, it's evident that he is truly is. Because when he truly is, then you know what? Your life is flipped upside down to the point where you're, 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 you're all in in every area. Or maybe it's not going at all. And you're thinking, well, okay, well, wait a minute. Um, I, I, well, I don't even know what to do with that. Well, it's simple. It means give him everything. Just, just surrender everything. And, and will it be hard at times? Yes, it'll be hard. It'll be a struggle because, you know what, we, we deal with this flesh that, we, that we're walking with and we're kind of just, you know, in that, that position of, of I want it my way, I think I should do it this way, when he might say, no, I need you to do it upside down. He might say, well, yeah, I know that doesn't make sense, but I want you to do it anyways. And you're like, uh, but wait a minute, I've only got $2 in my bank account. Yeah, but given the offering, the $2. Whoa, wait, 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 that, that's zero in my checking account. Yeah, I know. And then you know what? If we do it out of obedience, out of complete surrender about him being the Lord of our life, I guarantee you he is going to turn around and he will bless you with an increase, more than your $2. But see, for us, we look at it and think, oh my gosh, how? But that's how God does it. It's, remember, it's an upside-down kingdom. And we've got to live our life upside down. But see, every one of us has this opportunity to do that. So let me give you the first point. There's only two points today. Man, praise the Lord, right? <laughs> Guys are like, "Woo, man, this is awesome. We might actually get to um, go out to lunch. Anyways, two points, okay? In order for uh, us to see the world upside down around you, your... Uh, your you must be upside down first, okay? You must be upside down first. You are never going to up, upset anybody else's life if your life has not been turned upside down first. And, and let me, let me kind of share this, that, uh, Acts chapter 26. The Apostle Paul gives us an idea of what that kind of means. But, it, but think about it. If your life is not upside down, if it not, has not been upset by the Lord in a way that you are, are developing a passion and developing a thing for him in, in such a way that you're actually trying to share who he is and share what he's all about, then you know what? You're, you're just going to keep quiet. Okay, so I, 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 I wrestle with this, this thought. Okay, but I, but I also at the same time, I'm looking at it and saying, okay, so there were 12 disciples. I do not think every single one of those disciples probably had the same temperament as Peter. Let's just throw Peter out there because, you know, Peter was always, you know, and tripping over his tongue and doing all that stuff. Okay, out of the 12, I bet you none of them were the same temperament. I bet you some were introverts. Maybe. I, I would say the Enneagram or whatever that, that, that thing is, but I don't, I, don't, I don't even know how to say it right. But they all had different probably personalities and all had different ways of processing things. But all of them, other than Judas, right, still carry through with the mandate 
that was given to them by Jesus, go and make disciples. So I, at times, um, I don't know if this is hard to believe or not, but in, in some ways, I would say I'm a 50-50 person. There's a part of me that's very introverted, that just likes, hey, man, I need my time, I, you know, whatever. But then there's another part of me that just needs to be extroverted. And, you know, I, that, that gives me oxygen sometimes, just as much as being introverted. But I know that there's people that are more introverted that do not like, hey, I do not like stretching myself. I do not like going out outside these little four walls that I've created. But see, that's the thing. We have to get beyond those four walls. Every single one of us. Okay? Now, again, let's, let me give you up uh, this example that at least I, I felt like the, the Holy Spirit gave me uh, according to Paul. Uh, Acts chapter 26, verse 10 and 11. Now, this is Paul talking. He says, this I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Okay, so here he is. Paul is, is, is revealing that he thought what I was doing was doing the Lord's work. But he wasn't. But he thought he was. He believed that it was his job to persecute those who believed in Jesus. See, religion will deceive you. Because that's what Paul was walking in. Religion, if you have a religious attitude about how you handle people and how you walk this thing out, then you know what? You are being deceived. If you have a relationship level with Jesus, a relationship level with God, you're not going to walk in a religious spirit. You're going to walk in a, in, a, in a life that is full of compassion, that is full of mercy, that will speak truth in love, but see, you won't approach it from a religious attitude. But here was Paul. He, he was kind of just, you know, going this road, and he thought he was doing God's work. But then he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he retells this, he's retelling the story to King Agrippa. But Paul tells him this. His world got turned upside down to the point that everything changed in his life. Everything changed. Acts chapter 29, right? So he's telling the king. So he, he, he says this front part. I did all this. I did all this. I did all this. I, all these things. I thought I was doing right for the kingdom. I thought I was doing it for God in this religious attitude. And then he tells it, but I had this encounter with Jesus. See, Jesus changes everything. He absolutely will change everything about your life if you will let him. Okay, so he has this encounter. And, and, and in 19 through 21, it says, therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Now, granted, you could say, well, yeah, but Paul had this heavenly vision. Jesus showed up. He's never showed up in my bedroom. He's never showed up in my car. He's never showed up, you know, at, at certain places. So how can I be as confident as Paul is? Well, you got to approach it in faith. And you got to grow faith. Okay? Especially if you've never had an encounter like that. 
You've got to grow your faith. You've got to allow God's word to be stirred in your heart. But he says this, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, return to God, and do works benefiting repentance. Do you see the change? Shake your head yes, so I know you're awake. Right? You see the change? Here he was. He's persecuting those who love Jesus, who were going to stand for Jesus, who declared who Jesus was. And all of a sudden, he has this encounter with Jesus. Everything changed. His world got turned upside down. All of a sudden, now, here he is. He's, he's proclaiming, right, to those in Damascus, in Jerusalem, and throughout all of the region of Judea, and to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. But verse 21 tells us this. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. So Paul's life was turned upside down by Jesus, and he went from persecutor to promoter. From persecutor to promoter. And as a promoter, he upset the world around him. Right? He upset the world around him to the point that the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to what? Kill me. He upset their world. Now, we live in a little bit different times, especially in America, where we don't necessarily face persecution like, you know, other countries do. But when was the last time that, man, you stirred? got someone a little bit rattled by your confession of faith, by your ability to, to just talk to them about Jesus, to do just something radical. Hey, can I pray with you right now? Uh, I, uh, I, guess, I guess. Okay, even though you might think, wow, okay, that person's kind of not really sure, guess what you're doing? You're upsetting their world a little. You're... you're, you're you're, you're, moving, you're moving the dial a little. And then what you do is you go and you, and you pray for them. And say, man, God loves you. He, 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 if you don't have a relationship with him, he wants to have a relationship with you. See where that goes. And they go, no, I don't want one. Okay, well, man, just know I'm going to be thinking about you and praying for you. You can even ask their name if you want. But see, what you did is you began to upset their world. Right? Man, you guys are so stone-faced cold today. <laughs> Just looking at me like, you know, but that's, that's okay. All right? So he upset the Jews, and he upset everywhere he went. Just like they said, man, here these people came, and they upset the world. They're, they're totally upsetting the world. But see, Paul's heart began to see what God's heart saw. Because he allowed Jesus to... Turn him upside down. And he began to see from, from God's perspective, which is actually right side up in the kingdom. Okay? It's God's kingdom perspective, which then caused him to say this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. 
I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Now, Paul didn't change his doctrine or his message to appeal to people. Okay, that's one thing you can never do. Don't change your doctrine or your message to the people, right? But what it does, it carries this idea that he would absolutely do anything for the sake of the gospel, even if it meant that he had to change his behavior and his approach. Instead of being religiously stubborn or I'm locked in to this, this, this is the... No. It might be, hey, how can I help you? You want me to wash your feet? Okay. You want, me to, you, want me to, you want me to do that? You want me to help you in some way? Yeah. Hey, so while we're doing this, man, you know what? How about coming to church with me? How about, how about, you know, do you have a relationship with Jesus? You don't? Well, man, I do. And let me tell you about him. Not megaphone preaching in their face, slamming them, but just sharing the love, that testimony that God's done in your life, the things that he's beginning to change inside of you, right? So he didn't change the message. He might have to change his approach. See, and sometimes I think we got to look at it and say, you know what? Any approach that I bring Jesus to the table is a good approach. It's an approach that the Holy Spirit is leading me to do. See, sometimes we get in our head, well, no, I got to be like Billy Graham, right? I got to be like this person who, who, who does this and does that, where the Holy Spirit says, that's not you. Like, he tells me that all the time. Scott, that's not you. I mean, he yells at me, that's not you. I know, but see, look, look what they're doing. That's not you. Okay, I'll be me, right? And sometimes you still feel like the enemy goes, yeah, see, that's not good enough. But you know what? As long as I am comfortable in my own skin and the personality and the, the way that God has created me and designed me, I can bring Jesus to the table in any situation and present him and minister to people in a way that brings life. But see, that's where we got to get comfortable with ourselves. Don't try to be someone else when it comes to like witnessing. You just be you. Be relaxed. Be full of love. Be full of compassion. So here's Paul. Right? He's no longer living in this past religious lifestyle, right? He was just set on this new course. A new course to become more like Jesus. And see, when we get to that point where we're just fully fully allowing him to, to turn our world upside down, right? I, 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 this phrase comes to mind every so often. But when Jesus said, I must be about my father's business, almost becomes our, our, our mantra. I just, I have to be about my father's business. And if that means I'm walking in the grocery store and the Lord says, hey, turn around. I want you to talk to that person. Then you do it. But we'll get to that in a minute, Right? But see, that is when we're about our father's business, the father's business is about upsetting the world around us. Right? 
That, that's what Paul and Silas were doing. That's what the other uh, disciples were doing. They were upsetting the world around them. And yet, here we think we get a pass. We don't. We don't get a pass. We're, we're, we're supposed to be like the early church. We're supposed to be like, you know, the, 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 the apostles and the, and, and, and the um, disciples where we're out there and we are, are doing it, giving our all for the kingdom. You know, like salvation for me was, I, I got saved when I was young, but my world really got flipped over when I went to this um, thing they had in, in Foursquare. It was called Summit 88. And I, I don't even remember. I, I was, I don't even know how old I was, but um, I went to this big, huge conference in Denver. I mean, there was like, I don't know, 20,000 kids or something like that. And man, the Lord got a hold of my heart and f- turned me upside down. And all of a sudden, I no longer had these, these desires for things that I once did. These things that I once walked in. No longer was I, I wanting to, to live my life separate from Christ or, or only on Sundays. Because I was one of those kids, right? I probably up until I was about 23. It was like, yeah, I do Jesus and God on Sunday. But all the other days, I do me. And it was like not mixing anymore because all of a sudden God had got a hold of my heart and he began to flip my world upside down. And my appetite was not about all of that stuff. It was about going after him. It was about, you know, getting, pressing in a little bit deeper, right? I heard this one pastor say, man, I took the L, not the loss, took the Lord, right? But... We have to be careful about it, though, right? Because, you know what? This upside-down life can only be maintained in a constant relationship, a constant fellowship with him, right? When we get saved, we have such a passion, right? I would think most of the time when people get saved, they have such a passion for the Lord, right? They have this, oh, man, I got to tell everybody. I got to tell you this. I got to tell you. Now, some of us maybe didn't kind of fall into that category, but we have such a passion where you know the Lord has begun to turn your world upside down and the Holy Spirit's active and moving in your life. But what happens if we lose that? But over time, sometimes we allow all of the cares of this world, all of the, the, the things that go on to begin to kind of begin to flip us back to the world's right side up instead of staying maintained in the kingdom's right side up. But see, we have, to ma- we have to do it. We have to maintain it, right? You know, there, there's that uh, phrase. Um, I think it was like in the, someone coined it in the 30s and 40s that, that said, you know what, uh, there's people who um, um, uh, make things happen. There's people who watch things happen. And then there's people who make things happen. Did I say it right? No. Okay, well, hey, there you go. Um, but anyways... To the point of, whoever quoted that or whatever, I'm sorry. Um, but, the, but the point of it is, is that, oh, I wonder what happened, right? That's how, I guess, how the ending went. But, but the, the point is, is you know what? We can't be people who wonder, well, why am I no longer have this connection with God like I used to? No, we have to be consistent. We got to make it happen. Your relationship with God is there and available, but you know what? You have to make it happen. Let's go to our, our, our second point. 
Okay? So if, if you're half flipped, or you're all the way back flipped to the, to the world system, then I, I encourage you, get before the Lord and get reflipped to right side up. Okay? Second point uh, we need to do in order to see the world turn upside down is let go of your independence. Let go of your independence. Luke chapter 5. Verses 1 through 4 says, One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper, And let down your nets to catch some fish. So here's Jesus, who is basically not a fisherman, getting into the boat of a fisherman, a professional fisherman, and telling him what to do. I mean, the nerve, right, of that guy. What does he think he is? But verse 5, so, then verse 5 comes and says, Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so... I'll let the nets down again. So let's stop there for a minute and think about, again, here's Peter, a guy who makes his living fishing, okay? And I would imagine the first part of that, he's probably thinking, hey, no disrespect, Rabbi, but man, our business works at night. It doesn't work during the day. And here you are. I mean, we go into the shallow part, at night, and that way the fish can't see the net. But now you're asking us to go out a little bit deeper in the broad daylight where the fish can see the net. That ain't going to work, bro. It just ain't. I'm sure that's what he's thinking in his head. And, I, I, and I'll just tell you, man, there are times probably even in us when, when, when we read Scripture or, or we feel impressed or you hear something that the Lord has laid on your heart and you think, hey, that's not going to work, bro. Well, you don't call Jesus bro, but you know what I mean. That's not going to work. But, but here's the deal. Let's not stop right there. Okay? So... Peter, in that that split moment, that split second, right, as an act of faith, released his independence and says, if you say so. The four most powerful words that you and I could ever speak when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. If you say so. So, how, how, are we, how are we at that? How are, how are you at saying, if you say so? If, if, that's, if that's what you say, okay, right? When you're reading the scriptures and the scriptures are kind of unfolding to you and it says, go do, love your enemies. That's hard, because they ticked me off, man. Right? Yet, he says, 
go love your enemies. Do the, do the four words come out? If you say so. Not all the time. But see, that's something we, 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 we got to work at, right? Or, you know, we could stay in the position that, you know, Peter at first probably, you know, when he was first looking at it, and just say, hey, man, no, that, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. I, it's not going to work for me to forgive them. They're going to be mad and angry and bitter and, and mean to me all the time. Forgive them. Right? Walk in love. No. So what happens is that sometimes we just stay stubborn. Because Peter could have said, uh, not working. Not working. But he said, if you say so, verse 6 through 8, says, and this time their nets were so, so full of fish, they began to tear. And the shout for help brought their partners uh, in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. You know that's got to be a lot of fish if the boat's starting to sink, right? But see, that all happened because Peter gave away his independence. By saying, if you say so. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. I love that. Right? Because sometimes God will not always beat you up. Right? To get you to see that you need him. He'll bless you up. He will. Jesus will bless you up to get you to understand you need him. Right? Because the source came from him. Right? It didn't come from Peter's excellent fisherman skills. Right? Because Peter was like, hey, we, we can't go out in the middle of the day and then they're going to see the net and they're going to run away. But see, Jesus blessed him up and said, yeah, but if you do what I say, you watch. You watch and see what, what will happen. To me, that man, that, that's amazing. And, and not only did he bless him, he blessed him extravagantly, right? I mean, enough to where the boat was sinking. But that's what he does. He goes and he upsets people's world. He upset Peter's world, right? He turned it upside down. That is not possible. It's possible with God, right? But that's what he does. So sometimes he has to pop the scales off of people's eyes. But there's other times where he just lovingly comes in and he blesses and people begin to recognize. See, he didn't, he didn't preach, Peter, you're a sinner. And you know what? You don't deserve what I just did for you, but you better turn or you're going to burn. No, did he? No. Just making sure you're awake. He didn't. He loved him. He blessed him. He, you know, I mean, that's a concept that sometimes we just don't get. That led Peter to realize, I'm a sinful man. I did, you know, depart from you. Jesus, man, I'm not departing from you. This is what he said in verse 9 and 10. He said, for he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as they were, uh, the others were with him. 
Verse 10, his partners James and John and the sons of Zebedee were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Right? So Jesus tells Peter, man, the way you just caught fish is the way I'm going to let you get people. Right? The way I blessed your business, I'm going to let you be a blessing to people. Grab that concept. You mean, God, you want me to be a blessing so I could be a blessing to other people? Yeah, he so does. He, yeah, he does. I'm just going to confirm it right now. Okay, he so absolutely does. Verse 11, then it says, as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now look at their response, okay? They just had the single greatest day in the history of his fishing business. The best day ever. Take that from SpongeBob, right? The best day ever. Yeah, some of you are like, yeah, I don't even know what you're talking about, okay? But it had the best day ever, and what do they do? They quit. Now, in the natural mind, you're like, what are you doing, bro? Why, why are you quitting? You just had the best day ever. You had the, oh, man, you just think about all that's going to happen now. And Peter and all those guys are like, yeah, but we're following him. We're following the one that turned our world upside down. And now he's asking us to upset people, to turn their world upside down as well. So it's almost like, you know what? They chose they chose the person who blessed them rather than the blessing. We got to remember that sometimes. We got to choose the person who blesses us, not just the blessing. God wants us to fall in love with the blesser, not just the blessing. So God is trying to overturn you. Okay? And, and I hope I give you a, a little bit of a picture here. But he's trying to overturn you and he wants you living upside down. In a, in, a, in, a, in a proper heavenly perspective so that you're right side up. So if you're living according to the way of the world, if you're living according to the world's plan and the strategies of the world and the culture of the world and stuff like that, you are not living right side up in the kingdom of God. You may be living right side up in the world, but you're not living right side up in the kingdom of God. God wants you to live right side up in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven. And we've got to recognize that because our culture, and you know this, is moving farther and farther away from God. Is moving farther and farther away from God's heart for people. It's, you know, we got cancel culture. You got all kinds of crazy going on. You got books that are just demonic that are being pushed on our kids right now. But see, when are we going to step up as people who are living right side up and say, no, that's not how we live. That's not how we operate. That's not how we go. And then too, you know what? I think in, in a way, because you know what? You'll upset the world a little bit if you take that stance, but do it. Upset the world. And then I think we just need to be numbered among those in the early church that were disturbing those in their spaces, right? I mean, God's put us in spaces and places to upset our world. Every single one of us. I'm not in, in, in your world all the time. 
I'm on, I'm maybe a Sunday, maybe a Wednesday, maybe occasionally if I come visit or whatever. But your world, those places and spaces, God has put you in for a reason. To upset your world a little. Be one of those that they say, oh man, they, they, they are totally up, man, upside down in the world. It's, it's like, wow, look at these people. You know, and then, you know, part of it we've heard in Scripture where it says, you know, that we need to be witnesses, right? Again, upsetting the world in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But if we personalize it for us, we are to be witnesses upsetting the world because our life has been turned upside down in Catawba, in Rock Hill, in Edgemore, in Lancaster, in Leslie, all over. But see, will we become like the early church in our life? Will we say, okay, Lord, upset my world. Turn it upside down. Let me see from your perspective and then allow you to, help, allow you to work in me to disrupt people's lives, to disturb it and not be afraid. Not be afraid. I, I love their scripture that says, you know what, God, you will never put us to shame. Man, when, when can we walk in that? I know there's, there's things in me that sometimes, I, you know, I, I get that little bit of tenseness in me, like, oh, what are they going to think? Right? I know you're thinking, you're a pastor. You're not supposed to think. Yeah, I'm, I'm human too. And I get a little tense at times, but I keep pushing forward. But you know what? That's just a natural thing. But see, that's where a lot of people end up stopping. Oh, I can't get past it. Yeah, you can. Because that scripture says, you will never be put to shame. You know, I, 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 I'm so amazed that I, I think sometimes just about those, those um, um, early believers that would be persecuted for their faith and then they would come back and they would celebrate with each other. Dude, we got persecuted, bro. It was so awesome. It was so amazing. They said this and they said this and they said this. And then they turn around and say, God, give us boldness to preach your gospel. Stretch out your hand so that signs and wonders can be done through your people. That's living a world upside down. Right? Or it's just like, I'm so glad that that lady at work got mad at me for sharing the gospel with her. That was awesome. When most of the time we'd go like, oh, really? Did you offend her? Did you, did you say? Did, no. See, we need to get to a point where we're just freely giving what God has given to us. But it's got to be a mission of ours, right? So if you choose to live upside down, I want to give you just kind of an idea of this. Start out simple, okay? Start out simple. Maybe you're in line somewhere. I challenge you, ask the Lord. Lord, do you want me to buy that person a coffee? Lord, do you want me to buy that person's lunch? Lord, do you want me to buy that person's groceries? I know we're in, in inflation right now. Right? And we'd say, man, well, I don't know where that's coming from. But if he says, yes. Yeah. Are you, are you going to say the four words? If you say so. Right? That's radical. But that's like, okay, I don't got any money. For, I don't know. Whatever. Trust. 
that he will honor your commitment, your honor, your um, uh, obedience, and he'll bless you back 30, 60, 100 fold. 30 is better than zero. Am I right? So even if it's 30, that's better than zero. If it's 60, that's better than 30 or, or zero. And if it's 100, praise the Lord, you should be dancing in the streets. But see, start off that way. I've heard stories where people have been in line, right? And, and, and at Starbucks and, and asking the Lord that question. And the Lord said, yeah, two people behind you. I want you to pay for their coffee. So let's, let's one guy go up past him, the, next, the, the person that he's going to do, and says, hey, I, I feel like the Lord wants, wants me to, to buy your coffee today. And, and that person, like, broke down, started crying. And it was not because they didn't have the money to buy the coffee. It was because they were in line saying, God, if you are really real, send somebody to me to show me your faithfulness, to show me you. And by them turning around and saying, hey, I, I just feel impressed that God wants me to buy your coffee. Totally broke down this barrier. But see, it was upsetting the world. It was upsetting this person's world. You know, it could be even the fact that, you know what? It might be, hey, Lord, how do I encourage this person at my work? How do you want me to encourage this person? You know, is it, is it just a smile? Maybe they just need a smile from you. Maybe, you know, and I know we don't do this in the COVID day, but maybe it's a hug, right? Or maybe it's just to pray for them. Whatever that is. Those are very small things, but it's going, God, what do you want me to do? And you saying, if you say so, I will do it. And when you do that, it's like signing over your declaration of independence to him. Right? You've become totally dependent upon God when you start living your life upside down, right side up in the kingdom for him. When we begin to, to let him use us to turn the world upside down. Now, like I said, this is part one. So we'll get into part two next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.